Back to the book of Galatians this morning in chapter 3. We'll continue with verse 19. We left off at verse 18 last Sunday. And we'll look at verses 19 through 25 today, the third chapter of the book of Galatians. You follow on the printed pages I read aloud from the New King James Version, chapter 3, verses 19 through 25. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed, capital S I'll show you, should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the Scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would be afterward, afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor or schoolmaster, some translations say, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor or schoolmaster. What is the purpose of the law? Why did God give the law in the first place? It cannot save. And if it cannot save, if it cannot provide access to the Holy Spirit, if it does not make a person righteous or right with God, if it cannot get a person to heaven, then why the law? Why was it given if it can't accomplish those things that man so desperately needs, then what is the purpose of the law? Well, there are a few things that I want you to see that Paul expresses in these verses that we just read this morning. He answers or says an answer to the question that him, he himself raised and then turns around and answers it. First, he says that the law was added look at verse 19 what purpose then does the law serve it was added now that little expression added is very important to us it that means there was a definite time when the law began it was not always in existence it was added it was added to something that was already in place now, to what was it added? Paul was talking about here and has been talking about the promise of God to Abraham and to his seed. Now, what is that promise? The promise is salvation by grace and by grace alone. Salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ not through keeping any law, 
not by doing any works, not by turning over several new leaves in one's life, but it is an act of grace and grace alone. That's the promise, grace. We are saved by grace and not by the things we do, nor by the things that we don't do. It's not by works that we speak. We're saved by the grace of God and by the grace of God only. And yet Paul says that alongside grace, God added the law. When God added the law alongside of grace, what does that mean? Does that mean that the law replaces grace? Well, I think you know better than that. It doesn't mean that at all. Does it mean that it cancels out grace? No. Does it mean that the law and grace become mingled together and work together to bring about salvation and, and, and some brought about on the half by grace and half by the law? No, it simply means that God says that the law was added or was, I'm sorry, I lost my place there, was added to grace. It was added to what had already been put in place. It was brought alongside of grace. And God gave it to us to help us understand how important grace is and help us understand that we cannot keep the law. That's why it was added. The second question. It was not added to replace grace or to cancel grace that was given by God and explained by God to Abraham, but it was, as, and, and even not even to be mingled with grace, it was added, look at verse 19, because of transgressions. Now, what is a transgression? A transgression is a word that literally means to go beyond the boundary of, to step across the line, to do that which is forbidden. So why was the law given? The law was given to show the boundaries that God has set. Well, was there not a transgression before the law? No. There was no law to be transgressed against. Was there sin before the law? Absolutely. There was sin before the law. God had told Adam and Eve, the day that you sin, you'll surely die. And we see sin over and over in the life of, of God's creation, mankind. Sin existed, but there was not the transgression of the law. It was added because of transgressions. Now, what is a transgression? A transgression According to the word, it literally means to go beyond the boundaries, to step across the line. Now, why was the law given? The law was given to show the boundaries that God had set to help us understand what his will is and not to step across them. Well, was there not a transgression, as I said before the law? No. Transgression came into place as man is revealed to be a sinner and he has gone against the law 
of a holy God. Sin is breaking the moral character of God's holiness. Transgression is breaking the law of God. Crossing the barrier has always been in place. And God has given that to help us understand that man is sinful, always has been sinful, and does not merit the grace of God, does not merit a relationship with the holy God, but in his grace and his mercy and his love for us, he has provided a way. When Cain murdered his brother, Abel, he sinned, but there was no law. When Abraham committed adultery with Hagar, there was sin, but there was no law. And so on. Abraham sinned. Cain sinned. There was no transgression because there had no, been no boundary set. No law had been violated because the law had not yet been given. It was a moral wrong that they did, but it was not legally wrong according to the word of God. And so God set up the law to show mankind his boundaries. The law did not make a man a sinner. Man is a sinner already. It is the nature of the Adamic race, all of Adam's offspring down through the centuries. It is the nature of man to sin the law didn't make man a sinner. The law made man a transgressor against the law. Man was already in sin, but he didn't know he was in sin until God gave the law. That's why the law was added in the first place to reveal sin to reveal the wickedness of sin, the wrong of sin, how bad sin really is, God explains that in his law to help us understand what he forbids to have into his kingdom. To grace. Why was it added to grace? To reveal the awfulness to establish the boundaries of God in righteousness or of God's righteousness. So that's why the law was added. Thirdly, how long was the law added? Now, this is something you really need to pay, pay attention to because we hear all kinds of statements and if you listen to any preaching on TV, and I guess it's still on TV, I never turn to that, but if it's still there, you can hear all kinds of things. And there are a lot of people who think they've got to keep the laws. They've, they've got to keep the law that was given in order to get right with God. They've got to keep the laws that have to do with the sacrifices and, 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 the, and the times of celebration that God gave to the children of Israel. And they think they've got to keep those things. But those things have passed away. We are now under grace those things remind us of how evil mankind is, how much of a sinner we are, and it's to bring us to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. How long was it added? Verse 18 says, It was added because of transgressions until 
the seed should come. Now, what is the seed? If you go back to Galatians, the third chapter, verse 16, it's, Paul says, Now to Abraham and his seed, the capital S, were the promises made. He does not say to seeds. Now this is Paul writing, not me talking. He does not say to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ, Paul says. We've already looked at that. For how long was the law added? Until the seed should come. Until Christ should come. The law was established on Mount Sinai, but the law came to an end on Mount Calvary. It was established on Mount Sinai with Abraham. It was continued through Moses in giving of the law and the, the things that they were to do and, and the punishment for those things that were transgressions. But it ended on Mount Calvary when Jesus satisfied the demand of the law that because we are transgressors, we are guilty, we are doomed to death, we are doomed to hell. The law was established on Mount Sinai, I say again, but it came to an end on Mount Calvary because it was until the seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, should come. That's why in yesteryear they sang this old hymn. I remembered as a child, but I have not heard it in years and years. Free from the law, O happy condition, Jesus has bled and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, Christ has redeemed us once for all. Once for all, O sinner, receive it. Once for all, O doubter, believe it. Cling to the cross, the burden will fall. Christ hath redeemed us once for all. Now, what was the law or what was the law added to? To grace. Why was it added? Because of sin and revealed the transgressions of mankind. How long was the law added? Until the seed, Jesus, should come. Fourthly, how was it added? Look in verse 19. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Who was the mediator? Moses. That's exactly right. Moses the mediator. Now, how many parties are involved with a mediator? There has to be two parties plus the mediator. There are three so you have one side and you have the other side and you have the mediator in between. And so there we have Moses received the law. He gave the law, but God is the one who spoke the law to him. And we are the recipients. We're the ones that the law is given to through Moses. Or yes, through Moses. The Bible says that the law was given by Moses. God was not giving the law to the man Moses. 
God was giving the law to the nation Israel through Moses, thereby making him the mediator between God and the children of Israel. God gave the law to Moses. Moses passed the law on to the people of God, and he is thereby the mediator. The Bible doesn't say that the law was given to Moses. It says it was given by Moses to the children of Israel. God was not giving the law to the man Moses. God was giving the law to the nation of Israel through the man Moses, the mediator. He was the go-between. He was the middle man. God did not speak directly to the nation of Israel. He spoke to Moses. He, he gave it to Moses. God gave the law to Israel through Moses to them. But there's a difference between law and grace or promise. When God spoke to Abraham over 400 years before the law, and I think I referred that to, uh, to, uh, to him receiving it earlier. When he spoke to him over 400 years before that on Mount Sinai, God did not use a mediator God did not use someone else. God spoke to Abraham himself. He spoke to him as another, to, to him as his creation, a human being. God spoke directly to Abraham, and this is what he said I established with you a covenant of grace which will be to you and your seed. And Paul said, which is Christ. No mediator, and yet God, when God gave the law, he gave it through Moses, the mediator. What does that mean? It means that the law is inferior to grace. It means the law was never meant to take place, the place of grace. It means the law never was given so that man could be right with God. Because God has told us in his word from the beginning that we've already looked at time and time again that man became a sinner in the garden and all men, every person since the Garden of Eden has been a sinner, conceived in sin, born in sin, lives in sin. And so there was not a mediator when God established the covenant that he made with Abraham. It means that the law, as I said, is inferior to grace. The law came through mediator. Grace came direct, directly from the mouth of God to the ears of Abraham. That's a wonderful truth, isn't it? When you get to thinking about that, it's because there is no mediator between God and Abraham. It's on the basis of grace and grace alone. The second thing, he says, is the law is not contrary or against grace. Look in verse 21. He says, is the law then against the promises of God or the grace of God? Is the law against grace? No. The law is not against grace. 
He says the law cooperates with grace. Look at what he says. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life. What does man need? Man needs life. Man needs life. Why? Because man is spiritually dead. God said to Adam and Eve, when you eat of that, if you do eat of it, the day you do it, you will surely die. In the day that you eat it, you're going to die. Well, they ate it, didn't they? They ate it, but they did not physically die, but they died spiritually they died with that, from that perfect relationship and walk they had with the holy God in a holy place that he placed them in where there was no wrong, there was no sin. But the serpent introduced them, introduced Eve, and then Adam followed and partook of that that God forbid, and sin entered into the world. They died spiritually. And ever since that day, I'll remind you, that every boy or girl who's born, every baby, is born in sin. We come to this world as sinners. We live as sinners. And without Christ, we die as sinners. And we need a mediator. We need someone to give us forgiveness. We need a way to be right with God. That's why People need to be invited to church. That's the reason we teach boys and girls from the time they're babies in the nursery all the way through high school and into college. We teach those young men and young women about the grace of God, about the love of God, about the sacrifice of Jesus, about the Word of God. We teach them all the way through. That's so when the Holy Spirit of God reveals to them that the truth they've been taught the things that they've heard from infancy up is reality to them, and they are in need of a Savior. And the Holy Spirit deals with their heart and draws them to the Savior. They respond and receive God's wonderful gift of grace in Christ Jesus. Why? Because all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way of forgiveness is not by keeping the law. The Bible proves you cannot keep the law. It is impossible for man to keep the law. And because of that, God provided a way of forgiveness for the transgressor. And the transgressor is everyone who does not keep the law. That's you, that's me, that's our children, that's our grandchildren, that's everybody in this world. Every human being is a transgressor of God's law, separated by, from God by their sin, separated because of transgressions, dead in their sins, in their trespasses, with no hope outside of the provision that God has provided in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, promised to Abraham, fulfilled in Jesus. Promised before the law, 
The law revealed that there had to be some way of forgiveness. And so God introduced the law, and it included the sacrifices. It included the high priest taking that blood of the innocent lamb, the perfect lamb, and sprinkling his blood on the heart, hot coals of the mercy seed, as seat, excuse me, and the, the, the aroma rising supposedly into the nostrils of a holy God, and it has appeased him for the sins of the people for another year. And it was repeated over and over again. But the scripture is abundantly clear that the sacrifices of animals in the book of Hebrews could never remove sin. The shedding of the blood of an innocent lamb could not remove the sin. But the shedding of the blood of the Lamb of God on the cross of Calvary washes away every stain, every sin to everyone who will believe on God's wonderful plan of redemption. The grace of God exemplified in the Lord Jesus Christ. The law reminds us we are in need of forgiveness. The law reminds us we're in need of a Savior. That's what Paul says here. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the Scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. What the law cannot do, Jesus alone can do the law the law can tell a man he's a sinner the law can tell a man that he's dead the law can tell a man why he's dead the law can tell a man what's to happen because he's dead but all the law can do is to breathe death a dead man doesn't need a course on religious etiquette. A dead man doesn't need to be told, I'm okay, you're okay, we'll all be all right. A dead man needs life. And the only way for a dead man to receive life is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. Only in Jesus. And then there's one last thing. Paul says... What value is there in the law? Look at what he says. The law anointed people to their only hope, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. What does that mean? What is Paul talking about when he says that? He's in, he says that a man was bound in a spiritual prison. So bound and so imprisoned that there was no way of escape, no hope for him. But when Jesus came, he came to provide a way. And what the law could not do Jesus did by giving himself as a sacrifice that we might know forgiveness. 
But then he gives a second illustration, not only as in a prison, but he talks about the schoolmaster. He talks about the tutor in verse 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor, and King James says our schoolmaster, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now, the schoolmaster that's translated in the newer versions as tutor is not the school teacher. The schoolmaster is one of two-thirds of the people alive in this day when Paul writes this were slaves. Only a third of the people were free people. Two-thirds of them were slaves. And one of the slaves would be chosen to be the schoolmaster for the master's children. And the schoolmaster would make sure that the children got up and were fed and went to the class to be under the tutelage of the teacher. And then the schoolmaster would sit there and listen to what the teacher had to say to the children. And then the schoolmaster would bring the children or the child, or how many children they had, home safely. And then he or she would go through all of the lessons that they had been taught that day in school. And the schoolmaster is telling them how those things apply to their lives and, and what truths they are and, and helping them to remember those things that they may grow in knowledge and become mature. And the word schoolmaster literally means disciplinarian. The word that is translated tutor in the newer translations really means disciplinarian. He would teach them right from wrong. He would discipline, discipline them. He would disciple them, if you would, to do the right thing. The schoolmaster, the tutor, the disciplinarian did not produce the life of the child. He simply regulated the life of the child, regulated making sure the child got to school, making sure the child obeyed in school, making sure the child listened in school, make, making sure the child came home with the right notes or, or the right information to be able to memorize those things, to be able to learn those things, to make sure that the child would get in the bed on time and get the proper rest, make sure the child had done their homework and studied, make sure the child understood everything the school teacher had said. <clears throat> get, <clears throat> excuse me, get the child up in the morning, get the child back to school, along beside the child to make sure that the child did what the child was supposed to do. So it is with the law. The law helps the creation of God, mankind, to understand what is required of God, what we're supposed to do in service to God, what we're supposed to do in worship of God, and to walk with Him. And once an individual who has listened to the teachings of the Word, one who has been introduced to what God has said in His Word, and understands that trying to keep those things will not produce righteousness, it can't get you to heaven, well then, what, it is, what good is it? It reveals how lost you are. It reveals how separated you are from God. And once an individual realizes 
how lost he is, how separated she is from God, then that person will see their need for a Savior. Well, who is the Savior? God's Son. God sent his son, Jesus, and by his death on the cross and through his resurrection from the dead, life has been made possible for all who trust in him. The law was temporary. Brother Rick, are you saying that the Ten Commandments have nothing to do with us? I'm absolutely saying that. They are to teach us they're to help us understand the holiness of God. They're under, help us to understand the sinfulness of mankind. They're to help us understand those things. But we are not called on to walk in a certain way, tie our tie in a certain way, make sure we got our shoes on certain feet, and I hope you do that anyway. We're to walk with Jesus. We're to listen to Jesus. We're to walk in a relationship with him day in and day out. We should understand that we can tell him all of our troubles. We can tell him all of our joys. We can express to him all of our needs. We can tell him all of these things. We have a relationship with the holy God through the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the one who makes mediation for us today. Better said is intercession. He represents us now seated at the right hand of the Father to make intercession that we may walk with him. The law was temporary, but the grace of God is e eternal. But I want to ask you something today as I close. Has there ever been a time when you turned from ritual? Has there ever been a time when you've turned from just trying to keep all the rules, trying to make sure you keep all the commandments? Has there been a time when you've turned away from all of that stuff that bound you and held you locked up and hopeless? Have you turned from all of that stuff and turned to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, our salvation? Jesus said, whosoever will may come. Not those who keep the law. Not those who do all of these things of the different feasts and all the things that the Old Testament required under the law that Moses was the mediator to give them that. God spoke through him. But when the promised seed came, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was the, as the one who gives us hope, who gives us life, and who gives us a relationship with the holy God. Has there come a time in your life when you turned away from all that stuff and just trusted in Jesus Christ, the one who gives life, the one who gives forgiveness, the one who is our hope,
the one who sets us free from all of those things and gives us freedom to walk with him, the one who can set you free, the one who can give you peace, the one who can give you hope and joy, and the only one who can make life worth the living. Why? Because he's the promised seed who came and went to the cross and fulfilled that promise of grace that God gave to Abraham through the Son coming, the Lamb of God, fulfilled all that the Old Testament laws taught in the giving of the sacrifices and in all of these special days, they were all fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he offers life. He offers forgiveness. The songwriter said, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Oh, Lamb of God, Jesus, I come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the promise of your word. Thank you for the clarity of the teaching of the Apostle Paul that you spoke through him to us in the writing of this letter to the churches in Galatia. Lord, it's so rich, it's so deep. It, 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 sometimes it's even difficult, I know, to listen to me for 30 minutes and, and hear all of this stuff as I expound upon it. But Lord, I pray you'll penetrate our flesh that you'll speak to our hearts, that you'll speak to our spiritual man and remind us of whose we are and who we are today. Not because of anything we've done, not because we've kept the law, not because we've followed all of the teachings, but by your grace, we're saved. By your mercy, we have been forgiven. And Lord, by your promise, we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In his name, amen.